daughters, sisters, and wives. They're gonna change our lives. Eat women, eat girls. They'll make a better world. Invest in Now here's your host, Catherine Gray. Welcome to this week's edition of Invest in Her. I'm your host, Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. As you all know, we are all about finding funding for women. Speaking of funding, we have on an incredible guest today. She's the first indigenous woman in the country to raise a Series A of over $20 million. Please welcome to the show, Betsy Four. Hi, Betsy. How are you? Really great. Thanks, Catherine. So excited to be here today. Well, I am excited to have you on. And I want to also mention that not only are you the CEO of Organics, Tiny Organics, but you were uh, considered entrepreneurs top in the top 100 women uh, in 2021, making an impact uh, in business and in culture. That's that's a huge accolades. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, it was such an honor. And I was one of three indigenous women on that list. So I was really honored. Yeah, to be included. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think people hear that you've raised $15 million. And I, if they're anything like me, they just about fall out of their chair. I mean, um, and, and now you said over 20 million. So, you know, I think um, I'm just in awe of women like yourself that are able to raise that kind of funding, especially in an environment where we're getting less than 2% of venture capital funding. So this is no easy feat. And we're going to talk about um, how you did this and about all the other amazing things, Betsy, that you have accomplished. Um, and I am so looking forward to uh, the panel next week. This is on March 29th. We're going to have you and four other extraordinary women talking about how you've raised millions of dollars, because I think by sharing your story, you help inspire and educate other women about what is possible. Absolutely. Yep. So you were telling me that you grew up in a little town and I think people really, a lot of people relate to that. You're, you grew up in the Midwest in a little tiny town and now you're like moving and shaking in the big city, uh, New York, Chicago. How did you make that transition out of that little town? And, and what, what was the trajectory to get to where you are now? Oh my goodness, Catherine, I'll take you way back because it was a little country village actually in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we were, I, I was so sheltered all growing up and I'm grateful for my childhood. I always say, you know, I was the last generation to grow up without the internet until the age of 12. So, you know, my, my imagination was constantly at play and it's what, you know, brought me into my career initially as a toy inventor and kind of all, never wanting to lose that childlike wonder. Um, but I did grow up between, um, so yeah, little, little country town, middle of Illinois uh, and my reservation in North Dakota, Turtle Mountain, Chippewa, about 10 miles south of the Canadian border. So between those two, um, 
really sheltered, you know, environments. Uh, I, I mean, I had just like an incredible, like upbringing of, of a lot of love, right? We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love. Um, and, and, you know, I would always tinker in the garage with my dad building motorcycles. That That's what got me into industrial engineering and design initially when I realized, wait a minute, I could be, um, I could like build motorcycles or I could build toys or cars if I got in, <laughs> into that line of, you know, work. And I'm the first, um, the first person in my family to graduate uh, college. So for me, it was just such a dream when I first visited Chicago at the age of 17. And I thought, this place is a fairy tale. Oh my goodness, the buildings, the beach, the food, right? And the people, I mean, it was like, and I'm still infatuated with Chicago to this day after living in London and New York for the past decade. Um, it's kind of full circle for me. But um, yeah, I just, you know, for me getting getting out of the, you know, little country town um, or village, I should say, it was more about, um, kind of the way that I think my parents raised me where I, my dad never treated me differently than my brother, right? I could always be in the garage building things and, th and, and, you know, he, he would always tell me, oh, if you can dream it, you can, you can build it, you can achieve it. Um, and so I always had that spirit in me, right. That like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make it happen. <laughs> and so you know, I, thank, I goodness for, thank goodness for parents like that, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm actually visiting him right now for his 60th birthday. So that's where oh. I'm calling you from. <laughs> yeah. that, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, um, it, oddly enough, I just happened to have been to dinner last night in LA with a, a new friend from North Dakota. So yeah, how odd is that? And also grew up in a town of like 500 people. So exactly. yeah, it, it's, it's a <laughs> culture shock when you come out of that. Right. But now I see where you got that inventor's mind going, you know, like you said, also too, you just said something really important. You didn't have the internet, so you had to use your own creativity. And I yeah. do think, um, it's, um, an interesting situation with kids today that they're constantly on their phones or on the internet because it is so important, isn't it? To have that time to think and create without the um, distraction of a phone. So do you sometimes now in your career take some quiet downtime places to allow yourself to invent? Because you've invented, even with just your current company, Tiny Organics, over a hundred food products. What's your process for creating and inventing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, Catherine. I'm so grateful you've asked this question because I think for me personally, it always comes back to nature, right? It really is a lot of um, my roots and, and how, you know, I, I was raised in this way that um, even being here at my at my folks' house, like I just feel the most at peace, right? Like when I'm at one with nature and I think, um, you know, the way that we built Tiny was all around um, animal well-being, of course. That's why I've been vegetarian for 17 years and all of our products are vegan and then better for the planet. So we're the first, you know, Tiny's the first um, V2C food company to go totally plastic free. Um, so that was like from the very start when we first launched a company. And I think like where I come back to my place of like grounding and, you know, and what matters is is with nature, right? And, and that's just how I've always been, you know, hike, hiking and, you know, all, all of that. Um, you can find me outdoors, uh, which has been different. Difficult living in the concrete jungle for so long, right? <laughs> Finding yeah, that. I bet. But, 
Um, but that's really where, you know, some of the best ideas come from. And yeah, um, I had built, you know, starting my career out as a toy inventor, I had built um, over a hundred uh, different products that I created by hand for Mattel, Hasbro, Spin Master. Now only a few of those actually make it to market, right? So that was like an interesting journey too in the very beginning of my career there um, before I went over to London. And I know we're going to talk about all this in the panel next week too. So I won't give that away too much, but I wound up uh, working with the founder of Calm, the meditation app, building his company is the founding team. And I led all the product there. We reached over hundred million registered users online uh, with his uh, former company, Mashi Monsters that we were building. Uh, and it was just an incredible journey, but seeing him as a startup founder made me think maybe I could do this too. I mean, growing up, I didn't have any example of what it looked like. I didn't even know what it meant, like venture capital. Like what, what was that? Right. I didn't have like what most folks um, would have around like a friends and family round necessarily. Right. Or I should say, right. most. I mean, like most people who have raised venture funding, I should say, right. <laughs> like most people don't have that access. Right. Like just like myself. And so, and you know what, you know, I'm going to stop you because yeah. I want to say when people come from a background, like you're a small town, uh, first one to be educated, uh, you know, from co with college degree and, yeah. um, no entrepreneurial experience or anyone around you or friends and family around. It's nice to know it is still possible Absolutely. to be successful. And that's what I love about your story. And I'm so glad that we are doing the panel. It's going to be um, female founders sharing their stories. You'll get to hear more from Betsy and everyone else that's on that panel about how they've raised millions of dollars like she has. Um, I just want to give a shout out that the um, the they can sign up for that panel at uh, bit.ly slash she angel investors. And that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash she angel investors. And that's she angel uh, singular and then investors plural, because I want people to know that they can um, absolutely come join that panel to hear from you and others. Um, they can also go to our Instagram because the link is on there as well. And they can visit sheangelinvestors.com if they want to have us email them the link. So I just want to mention that because I feel so honored that we have you on that panel uh, for the female founders panel. And um, I want to get back to your story and encourage people that by hearing your story, they can learn what is possible. So you didn't have... Uh, you know, you were always kind of an inventor, thanks to your dad, but yeah. you didn't know about venture capital. You didn't know about um, being an entrepreneur. And now you're a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> you're also an investor yeah. in uh, a venture fund called um, X Factor, right, which focuses on females. And I want to say that once people become successful like yourself, we always want to encourage them to become angel investors because we need more women angel investors in order to move the needle of us being so underfunded in that venture capital world. Would you agree? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yes, definitely. Um, as soon as I could, you know, be able to give back, I've, I've been trying to, um, and, and for myself, it's meant like advising, um, female founded companies for years now. Um, and definitely I'm so excited to be a new investment partner at X Factor Ventures and 
getting to um, cut 150K checks into female founded businesses. I think for myself, um, you know, I can just kind of take you way back to the very first funding I ever got after kind of, you know, trying to pitch for two years on my, on my previous company I founded uh, was a 50K grant. Um, from the city of St. Louis. So that that was the very first funding that I was ever able to, to bring in. And now, you know, years later, you know, having raised millions, it like it doesn't happen overnight. But if you're willing to do whatever it takes to kind of get and you believe so much and you have that passion inside you that says, I can't not do this, then then, you know, what do you have to lose at that point? Right. Right. And, and, and I think that you mentioned uh, grants because yeah. Uh, sometimes people get pigeonholed into thinking, oh, I have to get venture capital or I could only do a crowdfund or, you know, th- there are so many different ways. Uh, we created a course called, uh, it's an e-course on our sheangelinvestors.com site called Six Ways to Fund Your Business. And I'm so glad that you just touched on grants because that is a way for people to get started, not necessarily to fund their whole venture, but at least to get started. So thanks for mentioning yeah. that. Um, so that is how you got started. And your first venture that you funded um, was in the pet world, right? Exactly. So it was yeah. the first Fitbit for dogs called Wonder Wolf. We wound up making like Oprah's favorite things list, best retail traction of any pet wearable to date. We were at the end cap of every pet co in the US, every best buy in all of North you, America. You were on o- Oprah's list. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was just a wild. Yeah. It was so, so, such a dream. And, wait, you know, wait, what was it like when you got that call? When she, called? I know it was ridiculous, Catherine, because she was using the device with her dogs already. Oh so God, they had contacted exciting. us. Yeah. So it was just like the most amazing thing. Um, and then, you know, to have her, you know, kind of endorsement with my last company and then, and then just, it's kind of just so, so incredible to me, but like with, um, Michelle Obama's team reaching out to tiny, even prior to us launching, because for her 10 year anniversary, since founding partnerships for healthy America in the white house, it was all focused on early childhood introduction to vegetables. Right. So trying to work with companies and she had, she had read an article, can babies learn to love vegetables out of the New Yorker. And they had put tiny organics in there as like the kind of gold star company that was trying to do this. And so then, yeah, her team reached out. We were like totally floored and so excited. And we're one of her founding partners having built the little icon for her team that shows that, you know, this is a vegetable forward product. Um, and that's so much of the reason we built tiny, right. Is that we would create savory forward as opposed to sugary forward palates um, throughout the nation. But I think this just speaks to, you know, what I did in the early days when you don't have access to kind of any kind of, you know, funding. Um, and, and, you know, I was able to get that. And, and you don't have access to Michelle Obama or Oprah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Oprah, exactly. Yeah. And so what I was able to do was, you know, partner and bring on these just, I always say I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, right? And that, that includes my ancestors for sure. But I always say, like, for me, it was, you know, bringing on this incredible advisory board, right, around me that could kind of fill in the gaps, especially as a first-time founder, especially as a sole founder, right, with my last company. And there were so many learnings there that I can, you know, take us down a road with and things I would never do again in that way. But, um, and, and yeah, so for me, it was really about 
um, okay, how can I get the folks that fill in those gaps, but then can kind of open up those networks, right? Where I could be able to tell my story about trying to extend the lives of dogs like I had for my own dog because he was using this device, right? And he right. got down to the full weight. So that was that was the whole sort of idea there. And I think, you know, I genuinely believe that the only businesses that will exist a decade from now are ones that are trying to make an impact, right? And trying to better I, the I world. agree with you 100%. Yeah. And why I believe women need to get funded. You know, the Dalai Lama says that the Western women will save the world. And I say, how are are they going to do that without funding? You've got 50% of the population are women, more than 50%. We have 50% of the brain power, the innovations, the ideas that will help impact the planet in a positive way. It's why this conversation we're having is so important about how do we get more women funded because yes. they have ideas like yours that are impacting the planet and they've got to see the light of day because that yeah. is what's going to save the planet. Things like what you're doing. Um, let's talk a little bit about Tiny Organics for people that don't know what it is. So you've created um, healthy food choices for, for babies and children. Yep, exactly. And I was actually inspired by my son, Sebastian. So as I mentioned, I've been plant-based for so, so many years now. I thought the greatest gift I could give my son is that joy of, of how, how a vegetable can like set your mind on fire. If you eat like an incredible salad, right? Like what it makes you feel like, and that you don't have to grow up on a sugar roller coaster the way that I had. Right. And I think like, you know, with the American diet, everything being parade, you know, we, we, we never mom shame or mom guilt at all. There's already way too much of that out there. But for us, the approach we've taken is a whole food approach, which is truly the way that the rest of the world eats, you know, starts to feed their children from the very first bites. And it's way that the, this, the way that children were born to eat, it's just real whole food. So it doesn't need to be parade and it doesn't need to be with that. You're masking a vegetable with a fruit. Right. Um, so these are kind of misconceptions that we've sort of always held on to where it's like, okay, I'm just going to parade this mango. And now it has 30 grams of natural sugar, right. And one serving for a baby, which I think maybe most folks don't realize, but, but it's like, you know, if we could figure out a, a way, you know, the way, the, what we were trying to do here and through the research that we work on with tough school of nutrition is there's a moment in a person's life between the age of four to seven months called the flavor window, where you're more keen to try new flavors than you ever will be the whole rest of your life. So you wow. could just introduce a vegetable one time and, and the baby has, has actually formed a preference towards a vegetable as opposed to wow. fruit. So imagine wow. if we can come in at that moment of that window and be able to say like, you know, to like, instead of finding comfort and sweetness, which is what like, you know, I feel America's done for generations, right? We could say you can find comfort in coming home to vegetables and how those make you feel right. And like those, those more like bitter flavors that, um, you know, already, if you are breastfed, like you're predisposed to having more of that sugary forward palate. And then if you then back that up with like a sugary puree afterwards, it just makes it so much more difficult after the flavor window to introduce wow. vegetables. Right. Um, and, and what we found is that there's this massive um, deficiency where um, children under the age of five, the number one vegetable consumed is a French fry. Right. And, and almost it, it's just stunning when you look at it, there's no comparison to, you know, 
fruit being consumed as opposed to vegetables, right? <laughs> like there's like veg vegetables just, um, you know, aren't, aren't pushed as much this early on. And so we figured we could really shape the palates of a generation to prefer savory over sugary in order to reduce chronic diseases, obesity, diabetes, things that Native Americans definitely struggle with, but many minority groups. And, and, and you know, actually, I would say most of the nation, right? When you look at it, um, it's, it, you know, this, this, we have the potential here to really rewire the gut health of a generation. Um, to, to be able to be the healthiest versions of themselves. So that's what we're trying to do here is like, imagine wow. if an eight-year-old could have an understanding of their own gut health, right? And how plants make them feel and they could choose, you know, something healthy. And As tell me again, what was the yeah. age that uh, you're willing to uh, have these taste experiences that impact you? Yes. So the flavor window is from the age of four to seven months old and tiny organics. Um, the tiny beginnings product line starts from four months old, which we just wow. launched Brooklyn Decker, uh, oh last gosh. month. Yeah. I'm, I have a, a friend that has like a four month old baby. I can't wait to share yes. this information. I definitely want this in there. Catherine for that sure. Is, <laughs> that is so cool. You know, so you were chosen by Michelle Obama's partnerships for a healthy America. Um, I know you sit on their board, the early palettes board. Um, how did you get on their radar? Yep. It was really through, we believe that article, the, um, that I'd mentioned, which is just so stunning, but I guess it was the New Yorker. Right. And they'd said it became a manifesto in our industry at the time, but it was in December of, of or sorry. December of 2019, and we launched in January 2020. So we weren't even launched yet. What, what we had done, and I always say to companies that I advise as well, is like the first year um, we'd worked with 100 founding families at a Park Slope, Brooklyn, to deliver the food directly to their child. Now, obviously, this was pre-pandemic, but that's how we knew we had um, a white space, right? Because um, people were coming to literally feed food from strangers to their baby. <laughs> you know, that's how much they wanted this real whole food concept as opposed wow. to the prey. Um, and of course, everything organic and, and vegetable first. But um, for us, we sent one email to Park Slope Parent Group. We got hundreds of inbounds, had to cap it at 100 in a matter of two hours. And then that's even to this day, because some of those families have had their second or third baby. Uh, we're still catering to them. And they're still part of our like power tester group that we go go back to time and time again. That's the reason we're plastic free. That's the reason like those hero skews, they're, they're all from different cultures. So it's like ratatouille, Valencian paella, coconut curry. We just launched the first ever indigenous baby food recipe that my cousin, Chef Corey Azure created, um, actually sourcing the ingredients from the res. And it's called Three Sisters, the squash, the bean and the corn, how they come together. And it's in this beautiful harmony that is like a three sister, um, you know, story that we were able to then include for children in like a little storybook as well. And talking about different cultures through food, right? Because that's so much of what we're trying to do here in terms of the exposure. Um, right. But yeah. And so for us, it was really like um, kind of alignment when, when we'd met PHA, because it was all about veggies early and often. So we co-authored a white paper with them. Um, yeah, called veggies early and often actually just to, to figure out what is that impact that we could have if children began with vegetables instead of fruits and how that could really, like, if we got in at that flavor window as mentioned, like how that could really change, like the way that they would prefer, you right. know, um, veggies over, over fruits even. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's so interesting, you know, women's perspectives, I think are very different, you know, and I think you bring that female perspective to the table when it comes to, you know, children. And this is why it's important for, 
you know, many times women are thinking of different inventions and innovations than men are. And so that's why it's so important to have women's inventions come to light. And I know we're going to hear more of your story on the panel next week on uh, the 29th, which will replay on the 30th. And if people want to sign up, it's uh, bit.ly slash She Angel Investors, but you can also go to She Angel Investors Instagram and, and click to sign up there. You'll get to hear Betsy and four other amazing stories of how they've raised funds. Um, I want to get back to how you raise the funds because uh you had shared, you know, you kind of started with that first grant from the city, but what was your next step? Because there's a big leap from that fifty thousand dollar grant to the 20 million you just raised in venture capital. <laughs> so I know you can't go through every detail, but kind of you know, share with the viewer like how they could get from here to there. Yep. So I kind of hinted at it with the incredible advisory board that I'd sort of, you know, circled um, to fill in those gaps and the network effect there. But what happened when I got that grant is it actually opened up access to kind of local investors that knew about the grant that I was then introduced to. And it, I mean, it was incredible. It was folks like Jim McKelvey, the co-founder of Square, Maxine Clark, the founder of um, Build-A-Bear, right? Which for, as a toy inventor, that was like the Holy Grail. And, you know, um, and, and so just getting aligned with some of those folks early on, um, then that has like, you know, a network effect as well. I will say that it's totally different from my uh, my first company to my second company, I did raise millions with with Wonder Wolf, but um, after that 50k grant, but it was always from strategic um, individuals. It was never the VC route, which is very different in what I've done with Tiny. Right? Um, I there's pros and cons to both, and and I know a lot of women feel like, oh, I, I need to do um, the angel route first because a lot of times that's where we would find, at least in the past, alliances of folks that understood. Um, what you're trying to build here, right, for that community, um, because I remember at the time, now this was a decade ago, going into the VC rooms and just not having one woman in the room or not having anyone that understood, like, why, you know, in terms of, and, and it's so difficult because you have that unconscious bias, right, already, you know, in, in the mindset of all these men, you know, that at the time where, and by the way, I have incredible male mentors, right, and I've, and obviously I have my son, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-man for sure, but what would happen in these situations is, you know, you, you just have that bias. Oh, this person doesn't look like me. They're not talking like that, or they're not, you know, it's like you, you, it is so much more difficult. And I think, you know, now the VC landscape has, has woke up, right. And realized, okay, we need to at least have one female partner on our team, you know, thankfully. And I feel like that's just happened over the past, like five years, you know, to a decade. And so the, the time I went out to raise for Wonder Wolf to the time of tiny, it was just honestly black and white. It was just so different. Um, and with Tiny, yeah, going out and, and finding these um, venture partners that were like really aligned and just got it and um, didn't have necessarily those biases or already had women involved that could, um, you know, kind of come alongside and understand what was happening, I think made all the difference. But earlier right. days, yeah, what built from that 50K was really just, and, and you know, people talk about it, it it's a long road, right? Because it was actually over 10 years now. So it's like, you, you get that first one, it's a domino, right? And, and you're just right. kind of, um, you know, going through from there. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like you said, that landscape is changing. Uh, we're working on a new film about that called Girls Just Want to Have uh, Funds. And I it is. About, name, <laughs> thanks. So thanks. Cool. And, you know, it's how uh, more and more venture capital, uh, female founded venture capital funds are popping up. 
yeah. because of this need to see, you know, p- people really do tend to invest in people they identify with. So the good news is, is the more women that are in it, the good, the better it is for all women of all ages, of all ethnicities, because yeah. women tend to understand certain products and services uh, better that they identify with and will invest in. And that's why we need more angel investors. It's really on a, a mission we're on with the film, with this platform, with these podcasts to encourage more women who can invest in other women to do so. And I love that you, with your success, like I said, are investing in other women, bravo. Um, and you also just started a uh, nonprofit, right? Exactly. Oh, thank you for mentioning that, Catherine. We're not launching it until later this year, but I've co-founded NEO, which is Native Entrepreneurs Organization. And it's going to be, well, it already is the largest community of Indigenous founders um, in the nation. Uh, so we're just you know, coming alongside, supporting one another. And eventually we will be writing that those 50K grant checks to uh, future Native founders, right? Going to the tribal colleges, starting with mine on the reservation that my Aunt Diana helped found. Um, right. And trying to, to build up a, a sort of a, an awareness that you actually could be, you know, an entrepreneur even um, because that access and that opportunity, unfortunately, on the reservations is not normally there. Right. Like I had no idea what venture capital was growing up. Maybe most folks didn't. Right. But um, I, I think just just having that sort of understanding and being able to, to give back, right, as Native founders in this way to the next generation is really what we're trying to do here. So I actually have a, a talk right after this um, with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, it's going to be, yeah, really big group of folks uh, talking about this initiative that I've been building and working on here um, as, as really, yeah, the first in the nation to ever bring together a group of ind- Indigenous founders across tribes. I love that. And I do think a majority of our listeners, uh, like you just said, uh, don't understand venture capital. And it's so important for people to uh, get educated on what a great opportunity it is to invest in venture capital as a general partner, uh, to be an angel investor. It can be very rewarding, very lucrative. Um, It's like the best kept secret. We're trying to pull the curtain back and have people understand just really what a great opportunity it is if you're in a position to be an angel investor. Um, and so I'm happy that we're talking about that. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. I can't wait to hear more of your story on the panel next week on the 29th. Uh, we'll be sharing more of your story and four other women who have also raised a substantial amount of funding. Um, you're such an inspiration to others and, um, just really so generous with your time and your information. And we really appreciate that. Um, everybody let, let's, um, Betsy, if you could share with everyone where they could find you on social media. Yeah. And thank you so much, Catherine, for this opportunity and, and everything. I just so appreciate it. I'm very excited about the panel. Um, you can follow us at tiny organics on Instagram. Uh, my handle is just my name, Betsy four on there as well. Uh, we're also on Twitter and, um, TikTok on as, as tiny organics. <laughs> so you can Great. Find and for there. those of you just listening, it's Betsy uh, four, but that's F O R E. Uh, you can find her on LinkedIn as well. And um, of course, follow us, G Angel Investors, and on Instagram, uh, also Catherine Gray at Invest in Her. Uh, if you go to our She Angel Investors um, Instagram, you can find the link for the panel next week that Betsy will be on with four other amazing entrepreneurs who have raised funding. So excited for that. 
And uh, just remember everybody to invest in her. Be sure to invest in another woman this week and make it a great week. Thank you so much, Betsy. Take care. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at sheangelinvestors.com. Our theme music was created and produced by Lindsay Tomasic.